You are now listening to The Model Health Show with Sean Stevenson. For more, visit themodelhealthshow.com. Welcome to The Model Health Show. This is fitness and nutrition expert Sean Stevenson, and I'm so grateful for you tuning in with me today. This episode is all about becoming a stronger human being. And we're talking about literally from the ground up, from the bottom of your feet to the very top of your head. We're literally talking about the mindset required for improving our strength and our fitness and also the functionality. When I talk about from our feet up, I'm literally talking about the health and strength of our feet as well. And it's going to blow your mind. And also just understanding some of the concepts around building muscle and strength and, and also being able to maintain functionality along the way. This episode is jam-packed with so many powerful insights. I'm really, really excited to share it with you. Now, before just about every episode of the Model Health Show, just to give me that little additional cognitive performance, I have the very best nootropic in the world based on time-tested ingredients. And also one of these things, this was published in the journal Advanced Biomedical Research, and it found that the primary ingredient in my nootropic is called royal jelly. And they found that it has the potential to improve spatial learning, attention, and memory. So spatial learning, so being able to monitor and understand our body in space and the environment, that's pretty important. Obviously, our attention, our ability to focus, and of course, our memory, right? So we're talking about something that's tapping in to the powers of our hippocampus, the memory center of our brain. In addition, it's been found to be antimicrobial, anti-tumor, and anti-inflammatory. And also royal jelly has been found to facilitate the differentiation of all of the types of our brain cells. And on top of this, researchers in Japan discovered that royal jelly has the power to stimulate neurogenesis in the hippocampus itself, so the creation of new brain cells. So this isn't some flash-in-the-pan nootropic. This isn't some synthetic just man-made, cooked up last week by Cousin Vinny. We're talking about something that has thousands of years of documented use, but also now peer-reviewed evidence is affirming just how remarkable Royal Jelly is for the human brain and our cognitive performance. In addition to that, so we got Royal Jelly plus Bacopa. Bacopa was found in a randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled human trial that after just six weeks of use, Bacopa significantly improved speed of visual information processing, learning rate, memory consolidation, and even decreased anxiety in study participants. This formula is coming from Be Smart, from Beekeepers Naturals. Go to beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash model. That's B-E-E-K-E-E-P-E-R-S naturals.com forward slash model model beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash model you get 25% off their amazing bee smart nootropic and also their bee powered superfood honey it's one of my things I have pretty much on a daily basis as well absolutely love everything they're doing because they test for 70 plus pesticide residues that are commonly found in bee products people have no idea about this even if it's quote organic the standards with conventional bee products are grossly misinforming the public. Beekeepers Naturals does things the right way. They're testing for things like heavy metals, for E. coli, salmonella, 
yeast and molds, making sure that nefarious things are not showing up in your wonderful bee products. So again, go to beekeepersnaturals.com forward slash model for 25% off. Now let's get to the Apple Podcast Review of the Week. Another five-star review titled Well-Researched and Thought-Provoking by Real Dill one You'll be hard-pressed to find another podcast as well-researched and relatable as this one. Sean knows his stuff, is engaging, and speaks directly to his listeners, not above them. He lists his sources and tells you the facts, no bias, hypothesis, or maybes. Thanks for keeping it real and spreading info everyone needs. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you so much for leaving that review over on Apple Podcasts. That hit my heart. I really do appreciate that. And if you've yet to do so, please pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review for the Model Health Show. And on that note, let's get to our special guest and topic of the day. Our guest today is Ensima Iyang, and he's a coach, Brazilian jiu-jitsu competitor, pro-natural bodybuilder, and elite-level powerlifter. Ensima is one of the most sought-after fitness experts in the world right now, and his social media is just blowing up so many incredible nuggets of wisdom and also just very practical application of things, as, of course, you're going to see today as well. And he's also the co-host of the Mark Bell's Power Project podcast, and this is a show, one of my favorite experiences of being on a show, doing an interview for someone else's show. We went up to, I took my son with me up to Northern California and, and hung out with Mark Bell and Intima. We did an incredible workout, chopped it up about all things life and health and fitness and did a remarkable podcast episode as well. So really, really great experience. And one of the biggest things today is addressing some of the misconceptions about health and about fitness. And this episode is focused on that fitness component because even in the realm of like the way that I was growing up in this bodybuilding paradigm, like you've got to bulk and then cut, right? You can't build muscle and burn fat at the same time. It's one or the other. Well, we're really going to dissect some of these concepts, some of the misconceptions about fitness, and also again, building your fitness from the ground up. Let's jump into this conversation with the incredible Ensima Iyang. Ensima, welcome to the Model Health Show. How you doing today, man? I'm doing amazing. I'm awesome. kind of sweaty, but I, I feel good. Hey, man, you know, it's a little trek up here, man. We're, 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 we're a little warmer than up north, right? Uh, actually, no. No? Right now, Sac's pretty hot. Like, uh, it's getting in the 90s every day. Right here, it's, it seems pretty cool down here. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. Last time I saw you, we came up to NorCal. I brought my son, Jordan. Got a good Did workout. A good workout, podcast. It was his first podcast experience, like yeah. being on one. Uh-huh. And I didn't tell you this, man. I, I shared it with Mark, but I didn't share this with you. After that experience... He came back here and started a podcast himself. Oh, snap. Yeah. Dude, no, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to hear that because Jordan, number one, he was really good on the mic. Number two, being as young as he is and doing all the things physically he's doing, like he's going to be able to give, especially with everything he's learning from you, the message he's going to be able to give to guys in his generation, it's, it's going to be dope. So I'm, yeah. I'm pumped to hear that. That's powerful, man. And also, by the way, everybody, don't go looking for my son's show because it doesn't exist. All right. <laughs> He started a show with a friend and then the friend went to college somewhere else and that whole thing. So he's, he'll come back, I'm sure, yeah, with something else. But man, so, but, you know, just spending time with you and spending time with Mark and seeing what, you know, what's been created there is mm -hmm. just an incredible energy. I saw stuff that I haven't seen before. I've done things I haven't done before that I've carried with me. Mm. We got a tank sled at the crib now. You go. Know, like yeah. we got a nice cul-de-sac. So we're out here pushing this. 
uh-huh. you know, every now, I mean, maybe once every hour, somebody might drive down the street, but when somebody does, they're like, what is that? What are you doing? This yeah. is some beastly. But I got a question for you to really kick things off. Mm-hmm. And it's something that a lot of people think about, especially with how important muscle is, you mm-hmm. know, improving insulin sensitivity, improving longevity. The list goes on and on with the benefits. Yeah. But also it's the aesthetic part too. Mm-hmm. You know, so I got a question. Is it possible for us to build muscle and burn fat at the same time? Yes, it's it's absolutely possible. Um, the thing is, it's like it's it's context dependent because when you first start strength training and it's like the most the first few years of strength training is it's so fun because you're seeing your body change in so many different ways somewhat quickly now when you first start strength training whether it's you're doing some bodybuilding stuff in the gym or you just start with some barbells you're doing powerlifting whatever it is crossfit um you're going to gain muscle pretty quickly especially if you at least have adequate amount of protein in your diet you're eating enough calories but you don't need to go into bulk mode you know, that's, that's one thing that happens when a lot of men and even some women, they're like, I want to gain muscle. So they start going way above their maintenance caloric intake. If you make sure that you're getting in, for most people, a gram per pound of body weight of protein or lean body mass if you're a little bit heavier, and you also make sure to do a bit of cardio if you want, you don't have to, um, but you stay at maintenance or maybe at a slight caloric deficit. Because you're new to this stimulus and you've never done it before, you're going to put on muscle for a good amount of time. And then if your training is progressive, meaning week to week, month to month, you're putting a little bit more weight on the bar or you're doing a few more reps or you're just noticing certain workouts are getting easier, but it's progressive and you're making progress, you're going to be gaining muscle as you're losing body fat. Now, the only way you're going to be gaining muscle and gaining a lot of body fat is if you go into quite a caloric surplus, meaning that, let's say your maintenance calories is, everyone loves the number 2,000, so 2,000 for your maintenance caloric intake, and you start eating 3,000 calories, you'll gain some muscle, and you'll also gain a bit of fat. And, and that, that'll be cool. You can, you can cut later on if you want to, but I'm more in the party of the side of, let's take the gradual approach mm-hmm. so that we don't need to put on excess body fat, and you don't need to worry about trying to cut all that fat later on after you've put on a good amount of muscle. Yeah. Perfect. You know, because we do have this paradigm of the bulk and the cut, you know, and I'm definitely more of a fan of like just gradually adding muscle as as you go along. But Mm -hmm. I think it's because we have those goals, like we just want it, you know, we just want to get swole. We just want to, you want to, we want to have it today. Yeah. But even your breakdown of this, I'm sure that your thoughts have evolved over time, but I want to go back to the beginning and ask what got you into this in the first place? How did you fall in love? Yeah. with lifting heavy things and yeah. you know also just through your 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 story did anything fucked up happen along the way like let's let's go back to the beginning well i started lifting when i was 13 but i started playing soccer when i was 6 i told you before we started the show that um, i was raised by my mom which an amazing woman i just uh, as i get older i'm just like god i want to give back to her as much as possible but i am extremely fortunate of the way that she raised me First thing is she put me in sports athletics when I was six. I didn't have a dad at home, so it allowed me to be around a team, played soccer. So I was around a lot of coaches, a lot of, a lot of other guys, and I was able to build uh, friendships with other guys, right? Uh, but when I was 13, I got something called Oshkut Slaughter. I don't know if you've ever heard of Oshkut Slaughter. It's kind of this thing that happens with your knees when you're growing a little bit too fast and certain things can't catch up. So I had massive knee pain 
and I couldn't play soccer anymore. Mm. And that's the first time in my life and one of the last times in my life that I actually had true love, like true depression. I went from being a kid who would play on a soccer field four or five times a week to an individual that couldn't run because of Hoshkut Slaughter. And uh, I just stopped talking to people. I just, she, she'd ask me things. I'd be very, uh, because I didn't have an outlet. Um, it was bad. So she got me a gym membership at the gym really close to our house and was just like, go. Just, just initially she went and did some cardio and I looked around and started lifting some weights and I, I saw this really jack black dude and I just started doing what he was doing. I just started copying the dude. But at that time there were like forms on T Nation, et cetera. So I just literally started lifting and I switched right back to the kid that I used to be. So I learned that I wasn't thinking about it at the time, but with stress, my outlet was physicality. It, my outlet didn't turn to food. My outlet wasn't, eh, you don't have many outlets as a kid, but my outlet turned to use physical activity to buffer bad feelings and bad situations. So I had Oscar Slaughter for three years and I was able to start playing soccer again at 16, but I kept lifting. So at the time I, by the time I was 16, I was around like 215, 220. I got down to about 190 when I continued playing soccer because I gained a little bit of body fat in those years I wasn't playing, but the lifting never left and the sports never left. I did get an injury when I was in college, which stopped me from playing soccer. I got surgery on my foot, but I just kept lifting. That was the thing that I had and the thing that was with me. So it was a habit that I had since childhood that helped me out so much into adulthood. Mm, man, that's powerful. So going through that experience, when did it become something that you wanted to share with other people? Oh, that happened right after soccer because I was in school for biomedical sciences. So I wanted to be a doctor. Um, but when I was playing soccer and I got there, I'm injury, sure your Nigerian mother. Yeah. Doctor, lawyer, engineer. That's it. Every Nigerian that's listening knows doctor, lawyer, engineer. And if it's not one of those, you're a failure. <laughs> but <laughs> not option number four. <laughs> option number four, failure. Um, but but yeah, my my whole thing, the reason I wanted to be a doctor is because I knew I wanted to help people with their health. And that was the only way I saw yep. that I could help people yeah. by becoming a doctor. Um, but in time I kind of realized that like I, I volunteered at an ER in in Davis, California, the UC Davis ER. And when I was there, I had a lot of really cool experiences. Uh I saw death, which was pretty wild to me. Um, but I was able to also talk to an interview, kind of interview a lot of the doctors there. And I wanted to get a handle of like what they enjoyed about what they did. Cause if this is going to be my profession, I need a, I need to like the day to day. Right. And there are quite a few that really loved it. And they're like, yeah, I'm here all the time. I, I, I love this. But there are quite a few that were like, really think about what you're about to set your mind to do here. You're going to be here all day. If you want a family, you're not going to be able to spend as much time as you want with that family as you'd like. Uh, this is a job that makes really good money, but there's quite a bit of sacrifice in terms of the life you'll be living. So if you're ready to make that sacrifice, keep on. If you're not, go home and think. Mm. <laughs> when a few of them told me that, I was like, God, I'm a junior and I'm having thoughts of that. I don't want to do this. Like, I still want to figure out the health thing, but how else can I do it? So I realized that that wasn't what I wanted to go towards. I also knew that as a personal trainer, there was only certain things I could do, but I was like, okay, I got to leave and I got to just start doing something. So I left, started training people at a gym. Um, 
slowly started working with people online. And then I started doing the podcast and which happened years later, but it allowed me to take my love for exercise and health and figure out a way to share it with as many people as I could um, by helping them build habits to prevent them from having to go to the hospital. Yeah. Because with what I was going to end up going towards, it would be, you're here, let me give you a medication to deal with your problem. Rather than, how about we get you doing all of these simple things in life that's going to keep you out of here? I want to be that guy. Yeah. I'll tell you the free things that you can do, free, that's going to keep you out of the hospital. And that's still going to end up helping me have my goal of helping people. I love that so much. Yeah. And the thing is, it's just like, so number one, I, wanna, I don't want to miss this. You said that you had the opportunity to ask questions. Yeah. Just imagine how few people actually, number one, have the opportunity. Number two, actually just do it. Mm -hmm. You know, again, I, I feel very much the same. You know, I went into my collegiate experience thinking, you know, again, I should be a doctor because, you know, fill in the blank, I'd be successful and yeah. they look happy on the Cosby show, whatever, you yeah. know. <laughs> and so, but the thing was, it's just, it didn't resonate with me with the person that I saw myself being, uh -huh. you know, but fate had other plans for me, you know, yeah. kind of redirecting my, uh, my entry into into health, and it's really remarkable, man. Because what you're doing is we we don't put in these terms, but you you're saving lives, you know, or you're helping other people to save their own life. Yes, by giving these giving them these foundational tools. And I want to ask you about this too, because you know, just going back with your issues around your knees yeah. and your development, and uh, my my youngest son, Brayden. Uh, his friend plays basketball. Okay. You know, shout out to his friend, uh, Evan. And um, he had, quote, growing pains. Mm -hmm. And so he kept being sidelined. He had to wear his, like, cast or brace or something like that. It's yeah. just like, what is going on? Like, we're coming out like baby giraffes, just, like, not being able to sort stuff out, right? But the reality is, you know, there's so many different things that can become a part of our story that we could use. Because, of course, like, he's... He's depressed. He did he, he, because his identity was tied to that. Could mm -hmm. be, but more so, it's the outlet. You know. So I want to talk more about that because mm -hmm. today, more than ever, we have the most sedentary culture in the history of human civilization. Yeah. And I think a big contributing factor to our epidemics of mental health issues is not having an outlet. Mm -hmm. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. No, having an outlet is one of the especially having an outlet where you can tire yourself physically you know that that's one of the uh, that's one of the things that i think has just allowed me to or, or convinced me that everyone needs something okay uh, i do brazilian jiu-jitsu i i lift um i'll jump rope i do i do things physically because i know for a fact that if I'm feeling down or if I'm not feeling that great, if I can go jump rope for 10 minutes, the cascade of hormones that starts going on and helping me feel better is going to allow me to feel better immediately. Now, not everyone realizes that off the bat because maybe they're starting to do something when they're older, when you're an adult. When you're an adult and you start lifting or you start going down the rabbit hole of physical activity, you are aware, meaning that you have all the, you're smart. You have all these reasons to tell yourself not to do that thing. If it's the gym, well, people are going to look at me. People are going to make fun of me. Uh, people in my life are going to judge me for this or whatever. 
um if it's any if it's anything you always figure out a way to talk yourself out of it but those outlets are going to be one of the things that allow you to feel better um i have friends who've had depression who started doing jujitsu or started a physical thing and their depression magically went away over time um it's just if i didn't have that and if i didn't build that habit since i was a kid i would have depression because i've had it before you know there was a time i had a surgery that time i had the surgery on my foot uh when i was in college i did go into a bout of depression for about a month because i really like i i at that point my soccer career was over because my plan was to play pro um and i just didn't have a plan but after about a month i told myself okay well you can't sit here moping go work out go to the gym it's been a month since you've been to the gym first few days i went to the gym i'm like god i feel so good <laughs> like i feel so good and that was this thing that knocked me out of it and helped me figure out and realize okay let's let's shift focus let's figure out something to do so as a young person uh, i i know it can be tough but you can get a parent to get you a gym membership or if you can start something just something you're interested in that's going to allow you to use your body yeah. and grow and develop and build it's it's something that it's something that can change so many lives and it doesn't have to be the gym this is the one thing that i think is super important because as much as i i talk about the gym i'm like that was great for me it can be going to i don't know it can be going to a crossfit box it can be picking up a jump rope and starting some jump rope. It can be going to the park and doing some calisthenics, just something that's going to allow you to get that heart rate up, exert yourself, use your body. You will feel good afterwards. And the more you do it, the more it becomes a habit and cemented into the things you do day by day. And if you can build that, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you've given people tools as well. Like you said earlier, it's free, you know, because if you have a body, you have so much opportunity to, yeah. to use it in creative ways, you know? And don't underestimate walking. Yeah. I just want to say this. When I was younger, I, like, uh, I used to, like, I think when my, my, my ex would, like, go walking all day. Why are you walking? It's such a waste of time. Yep. <laughs> I look back at that now. I'm like, and see, my ear is so dumb. Walking, like, it feels good. Your mind starts racing. That's when I can come up with some of my best ideas. And, I mean, let's not even talk about sleep and all those other things, but Walking itself is just a way to just to get yourself moving and that'll help you out too. Yeah, man, it's so crazy the similarities because I had that revelation when I was working with people and people would tell me, you know, I walk to, I literally in my head, I'll be like, you're gonna have to hurry up. You're gonna have to, like, you're, you're never gonna get there yeah. because it's such a slow thing. Mm -hmm. And eventually it hit me and it was, a big part of it was a conversation I had with Katie Bowman. She's a biomechanist and just the way she was explaining some things and nutritious movement is kind of one of her things she talks about. Yeah. But it really hit me that like, what is a human body designed to do? Of all mm -hmm. the forms of quote exercise, we put it under these categories too, right? But what is the essential human movement? Like what is the thing that we're literally designed to do? We can do all this stuff. We can yes. push a sled, we could, you know, um, deadlift, you know, 500 pounds, whatever the case might be. Mm -hmm. Are we designed to do it? You know, we can. And oftentimes these are some kind of static movements as yes. well. But the thing we know that we're designed to do is to walk, you know? And so once that really hit, that's when I really started to invest more time into it. But the thing is too, is that it's a, it's a time thing. Mm -hmm. This is something you can stack. You just meant, mentioned the creativity that comes from it, for example. Yeah. Researchers at Stanford actually did a study on this and they found that 
when people would step away from a task and go for a walk, something called um, creative inspiration would increase by like a magnitude of 60%. Mm-hmm. And a specific type of creativity where they were thinking out, quote, thinking outside the box, yeah. right? Because we tend to get this tunnel vision when we're trying to work on a problem, uh-huh. right? And they called it divergent thinking would yeah. increase by walking, mm-hmm. you know? So that's one benefit. And also, but you can, you can extract that from it, but also um, this could be a time for connection. You know, maybe you're walking with your significant other or with your pet, right? You have a dog. Three. Three. No. Huskies. Three Huskies. Three Huskies. Okay. Yeah. I need to know more about this. Well, how's that I, situation working out? Yeah. I have a beautiful girlfriend. Her name is Sam. Um, and I just want to mention, because you mentioned walking with your significant other, I, I have to say like the best, deepest conversations where I've learned the most about her and we've been able to hash out any type of disagreements that we've ever had have been on walks, have been on hikes because we're just taught, like we're just talking and then we get to a topic, but we're outside and we're just, it's if you have a significant other, please start walking with them because that'll be something where you guys can, number one, get off your butts and get walking, you know, not being sedentary, but you guys will be able to hash out a lot of stuff. Uh, I'll say walking is a great therapist for both of us. Now, three Huskies. I had one at the beginning of 2021. I got my first Husky and then I got in a relationship. And then the next year I was like, well, I want to get myself another dog. Uh, because I loved having my husky, uh, but then we went to go visit and then find a dog, and the dog I wanted, I actually he was a puppy, but I couldn't take him home. And then she saw a dog, and she was like, "I want one too." I was like, "All right." Well, then she was like, "She she she Jedi mind tricked me." She said, "Okay, let's just foster it. Let's just take it home and take care of it until somebody you know somebody wants to somebody wants to adopt." We fostered, and then we adopted. And then I adopted the one I wanted. Hence, three Huskies. Wow. I love the life, though. It's great. Yeah, that seemed to happen very quickly. It did. (laughs) (laughs) It did. Wow, man. I want to ask you about this because, you know, you mentioned your foot surgery. And, you know, life is going to present you with these different setbacks. And it creates, Mm -hmm. it it has the opportunity to create character. Yeah. Or it can spiral into negativity. You know, Mm -hmm. we have both as an option. But you use as eventually is an opportunity for learning. And today it's even on your Instagram page. I hate shoes. I hate you. Right. And so I, I'm, I'm asking you about this because your level of knowledge today yeah. in taking care of your feet, because so number one, why, why are feet so important for our overall health? Man, I'm taking this quote directly from my homie, the barefoot sprinter. We've made a lot of content with them. Um, but the feet have 26 bones, 30 joints and hundred ligaments, tendons and muscles. Right. And the shoes that we wear, primarily the shoes that I was wearing growing up as a soccer athlete, are super narrow at the toe box. I have a big, wide foot. <laughs> and I'm wearing these Nikes that bring my toes up to a point. So now my toes are going from here to here. Mm. And as I started learning more about feet and I started seeing pictures of cultures that didn't wear shoes, you notice how all these people have this nice toe spread. Their feet don't look like ours in the US. Their feet, they have this natural space in between and they're not impacted and messed up like that. And then I started realizing like, okay, number one, I had to get that foot surgery primarily because of my soccer cleats. So I'm actually very glad that that happened to me because I have a situation that's like, look, this is a problem. Um, But then it's like, 
I realized, I'm like, wow, number one, if I had something that I could wear that was allowing my feet to do what they needed to do, I probably could have kept playing soccer. But number two, the amount that's missed because people are wearing the wrong footwear and not actually using their feet. There's a lot of shoes that are great. They're comfortable. They're marketed to, to feel like you're walking on clouds, you know, take out that uh, uh, super comfortable shoes, but the feet aren't getting the work they need to get. This is the first contact that you have with the ground every single morning. You're, when you're walking, when you're running, you're sending uh, shocks up your body, forces that your body then needs to handle. But if your foot is weak and not able to handle those forces in the way that they need to handle them, that pain will go to your knee, that pain will go to your lower back, that pain could go all the way to your neck and, and your head. And then you end up with individuals with really bad gaits, gait meaning your walking cycle, like their feet are pointed outwards. There's a lot of imbalances that can happen in the muscles, but mm. it, a lot of that starts with the feet. Now, the problem here is that like, well, how do I fix that? A simple way is to start walking barefoot, and that's good. That's going to be beneficial, but not everyone wants to walk around with black feet everywhere, right? Black bottom and toes. Um, <laughs> got those new black bottoms. Got those new black bottoms. But there's tons of shoes out there. And, and actually, it's, it's interesting because barefoot shoes had a really, uh, they had a surge in like 2011, 2012. I don't know if you remember, like with Vibrams and, yeah. and those types of shoes. Five fingers. Five fingers. Yeah. But then there's someone that made a book called Ready to Run. It wasn't Kelly Stretto, it was somebody else. And after people started doing barefoot running, they started getting all these sorts of injuries and everyone was like, okay, this is not actually good for people. It died down. The reason why it was rough for people is because people didn't give themselves a gradual entry into wearing barefoot shoes or doing barefoot activity. All right, you're now going from wearing a cushiony shoe to wearing a shoe with no drop, meaning flat. So now your feet are taking all these forces that they are not used to taking mm. and they are not happy. <laughs> you know, underneath your feet, it hurts. It's painful. It's like, God, this is, this is, this is wild. But this is the thing. Your feet are getting stronger and they're getting adapted to now the new forces you're putting through them. And then over time, they'll get better. But it's just like starting to go to the gym or building any new activity. You need to give yourself a gradual approach. You cannot go off the deep end, start running barefoot, start using barefoot shoes, what happened with me is I did start using barefoot shoes and then I had some pain on the bottom of my feet. I also got like toe spreaders, the ones I would suggest. I don't have a code or anything, but go to correcttoes.com. Um, I've used a lot of different toe spreaders and these ones are really good, but they'll help you get the space back in between your toes that your feet should have since most people's toes are here. But when I started, um, I, like I would do jump rope, I would walk or whatever in these types of shoes, the bottom of my feet would hurt. So I'd go back, I'd wear some of my more cushiony shoes for a little bit of time, let my feet heal and adapt. And then I'd go back to wearing the barefoot shoes again and doing all these activities barefoot. You'll notice over at Super Training, Mark, myself, a lot of, a lot of us don't wear shoes when we work out yeah. because we want our feet to be strong. And it's, it's crazy within the past year, my foot transformation. This is why like learning from all these amazing guests that we're able to talk with and ask questions to is, and this is why you love your job too, because we're able to learn so much yeah. and we're able to selfishly, honestly, I, I'm able to get the benefit from this and then we share it with people. But the, the, my feet, the tendons have gotten thicker. My toe spread is back. I have less pain and discomfort in certain areas of my body. I feel springier because now my feet and toes, like mm. my toes are 
I have soreness when doing certain movements in like the arches of my feet mm -hmm. because they're actually activated. Mm. When I was a teenager, the doctor told me I had flat feet. So they gave me orthotics, these special orthotics to put in my cleats to give me an arch. But that artificial arch from those orthotics weren't helping me. They were weakening the arch that I had and they were causing me to have more foot problems. And this is the thing, it's not the doctor's fault. This is, this is something that they did for everybody. They're like, you need an arch, slip something in there. Rather than let's develop those weak feet that you've been stuffing in cushioned yeah. shoes over your past decade, yeah. right? So the feet are something that I think like, dog, like if people can fix that, over time, it's not something that happens immediately. You, you need to, you know, you need to adjust when you're having certain pain. There are certain things you could do. But if you can develop strong feet, everything up chain becomes easier. You got to remember, it's the first contact you have with the ground. Yeah. You want that contact to be strong. Mm. Yeah, those orthotics were like a, a drug, basically. Like, here's yeah. a, let's treat a symptom instead of addressing the root cause. Yeah, I think the yeah. ones I had were called super feet. They're like pretty expensive orthotics, but it's exactly that. And again, it's not their fault. That's what they did with, for everyone with flat feet. And I had flat feet, but it's just because my feet weren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Mm. Now it's, it's really crazy to me. Like when I'm doing lifting or even when I'm sitting around, um, I wear toe socks. <laughs> Have you seen those, those socks that like, <laughs> are individually on your toes yeah okay i know they, they they may look really weird and you people may you could even have on. different colored toes if yeah, you want if you, you want to get super fly absolutely <laughs> but the cool thing that toe socks do is because they're individually wrapping your toes and they aren't your individual toes they increase your proprioceptive awareness of what your toes are doing in space mm -hmm. because oddly enough socks themselves are kind of like shoes yeah. they they cast your foot yeah. And they cast your toes, and now your toes are just sitting around. But the toe socks help, help, like my toes have been moving this whole podcast. Like they're always doing things because now they're activated. And I'm not thinking about it. It's just what my toes are doing because my foot is doing what it's supposed to do. So the thing I think about is, God, if people could just, it's, it doesn't cost money. Like you could get yourself any brand of barefoot shoes you want, get some toe socks, start walking around. That's all. I, even if you don't want to go take a run, just jump rope. Let your feet get used to what the ground feels like. It's going to hurt for a little bit, especially if you've been wearing really tight shoes or really cushiony shoes. But if you do that over the next year, two years, the difference that's going to happen with your feet and then the difference that's going to happen with your whole body because of that one thing you fixed, dog, it's wild. Yeah. We need to start, and you're doing it, man. Starting a, a foot revolution, you know what I mean? A, a foot volution. A foot volution. And listen, because you said it, one of the most profound things that you just said was that it, it's your first point of contact. So mm -hmm. it's like this kinetic chain yeah. that goes from your foot to your brain, and affecting everything in between. So a lot of knee issues are actually rooted in foot problems, right? A lot of back issues are yeah. rooted to foot problems because, again. You make contact with the ground the wrong way. You don't understand that you're making contact the right way. Those forces are going to find somewhere to, to dissipate. And for a lot of people, it's the knees. For a lot of people, it's the lower back. For some people, it's the neck. Or, you know, it, it, it has to dissipate somewhere. And then it's just like, I think about people who are running, like they're like running as an exercise and they're striking the ground in a non-ideal way over and over and over again. It's, uh, it's 
problematic. Yeah, and often because we're programmed to wear maximalist shoes, oh, yeah. doing that not just not minimalist, the all, the other end of the spectrum, mm -hmm. and creating so much foot weakness. And I remember this infomercial when I was, you know, around twenty one ish, dealing with my health issues, back problems. Mm -hmm. I saw an infomercial about some some inserts to help with back pain, right? Yeah. So I'm getting, again, I'm ordering, I just gotta get rid of this pain. Mm -hmm. I didn't know it was my feet. And it's something where you do, I'm not gonna say that you do nothing, but that's kind of what's marketed towards us. Like yes. do this thing so you don't have to change and it's gonna fix it for you. Mm -hmm. There is some degree of things we can set up in our lives where good stuff is automatically happening, you know, yeah. kind of shifting our environment, but we're taking away the personal responsibility of being like a, a strong human. Yes. You know, and doing more human stuff. And so this conversation is super important regarding our feet. And I know that there are going to be some women that are listening right now. So you said I can't wear. You said black bottles. What about my red bottles for real, Sean? You yeah. know? And so I'm just I'm going to throw this piece out here because what what I've what I've been able to maneuver with this is that I spend if I'm not specifically putting shoes on, like, you know, some cool shoes to do whatever mm -hmm. I'm spending my time being barefoot. Yeah. You know, so like if I'm at my desk, you know, I've got a stand up desk. I could sit down, stand up, got a, um, one of those, like you guys have those too. So the grounding mat? Podcast studio. I have a grounding mat too. Okay. But also just kind of the uh, anti-fatigue mat I might stand on a little bit. But <laughs> yeah. even when you're standing there, you can do exercises. Like you can get yourself a, a lacrosse ball or whatever the case might be. There's so many creative things that you can do. Just spend, the, the, the moniker here is spend more time barefoot. Right, yes, you can yes. still wear your cool shoes, but you're probably gonna find out those are even more uncomfortable, right? You put, yes, you hit it, <laughs> yeah, man, you hit it. Okay, so a few things you saw, like when we over at our podcast, it's standing. So Mark and I, like, I'll have a lacrosse ball underneath my foot as we're doing the interview, right? Um, we'll be doing some just wild stuff with our feet while we're talking to people, just because we're standing. So that's one thing you could just. You don't have to get a standing desk if it's too expensive. They have Amazon desk risers that are 100 to 150 bucks. So you put it on your desk, you can rise it, you can stand, right? Um, but the the difference in okay, like I I have Yeezys, I have Jordans, right? I like to wear them on special occasions, but these are shoes that I wear 5%, 10, 5 to 10% of the time. The other 5 to 10% I'm either or the other 90%, I'm either barefoot. I've gotten some Vibram five fingers and I used to I used to clown people who wore those shoes, those Vibrams <laughs> that have the, I used to be like, Ugh, like what? Do you want to have a spouse? Like what's going on here? But yo, for that foot health, I'll make the sacrifice. My girlfriend has noticed that she has heels and she has all these shoes, but as she started wearing barefoot shoes, her feet have hypertrophied as mine have. My foot got bigger. Okay. So she, she's gained muscle on her feet and she's put her red bottoms on cause she has red bottoms and she's put her old shoes on. And she's like, God, these hurt now. So this is the thing. It's like you, these shoes, you're not going to be wearing them most of the time. At least I hope you don't have to, but understand that your feet will change for the better. Right. And when that happens, you're going to be more aware of what these shoes are actually doing to your foot. You, your brain is going to be more aware because the, the proprioceptive aspect we talked about, when you start wearing toe socks and you go more barefoot and you know you, you're, you, you start doing different things with your toes, your brain is now more aware of what those toes are doing in space. One of the reasons why people can stick their feet in such tight shoes 
is because their feet are quite literally numb to the sensation of what mm. those shoes are doing to them. But when their feet start activating, I'll call it, you realize, oh God, I've been doing this for years. This is what I've been sticking my foot in and I haven't felt it. And when you feel it, you'll be like, oh, okay, I, I, I should make a switch. Yeah, man, that's profound. And just, this is going to be theoretical for some folks, mm -hmm. but you know, if I put my hand down here on my thigh, yeah. I could use my mind and lift up each figure one at a time. Uh-huh. Now, if you try to replicate, which theoretically you should be able to do that with your foot as well. Theoretically. You know, yeah. Very, very similar um, structure as, mm -hmm. as far as just your, you know, you've got the five finger, you know, even the five finger vibrams, right? Yeah. You've got the same kind of action. But if you try to do that for most people, they can't lift up except maybe the big toe. Except but maybe yes. the big toe. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're totally right. Um, that's that's why I guess this has been such a cool experiment and transformation for myself. Um, when we have these guests that come on, we always like ask them things and we start applying immediately. So when we when we had guests on that have talked about feet, you know, there's an exercise you can do. I got this from the if you guys want to check him out, he's the barefoot sprinter on Instagram. Um, he has a lot of stuff on feet. He loves feet. It's kind of weird in that way, but um, it's called the big toe thumbs up. Okay, so if you sit there. Can you lift your big toe and keep all your other toes planted on the ground, right? And then can you put your big toe down while lifting up all the other toes? Do you have that? And then try, like you said, try doing other things with the other parts of your, your other toes. You're going to notice that neurologically, you don't have that connection to your toes and you need to build that. So those are little exercises, the big toe thumbs up. You can, uh, it's called the hand foot glove. You should take your hand slide it in between your toes and start circuit making circular motions massage that around you're gonna it's gonna feel a little bit painful at first but over time that should feel super comfortable one thing that's like been pretty cool me and my girl were in the sauna and i was just doing stuff with my feet and i was staring at my toe i was staring at my foot and i was looking at my second toe and i was like yes she's like what the hell are you doing i was like I'm trying to pick up my second toe, just my second toe. And it started wiggling and twitching. And it's like, this is such a cool thing. It's like, yeah. it, number one, if, if we weren't sticking our feet in shoes since we were kids, we'd be able to do stuff like this. But as an adult, I got to say, it's pretty cool discovering new things about my body. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like when you just said that I've had that moment, I felt like I was coming out of a coma, like in a movie, like, look at his toes, yeah. toes moving. That's how I felt. And I'm just like, but I'm by myself, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I was glad to know that other people have experienced these things. Nah, man. Yeah. Legacy of Speed follows the transformation of a San Jose state track program in the 1960s. What started out as a second tier state college no one outside of California had ever heard of quickly became known as the home to Speed City. The guidance of one coach and his unconventional techniques launched the careers of the fastest sprinters of the day. Host Malcolm Gladwell, a competitive runner himself, traces the journeys of those sprinters who went on to ignite a boycott movement and protest the 1968 Summer Olympics. Malcolm talks to Olympic athletes, sports journalists, performance coaches, and documentarians. And you'll hear from some of the best runners of all time, Tommy Smith, John Carlos, and Lee Evans. It's a story about athletes who dared to take a stand and the mentors who made them fast and brave enough to pave the way for the sports activism we see today. Find 
Legacy of Speed, wherever you get your podcasts. Let's move uphill a little bit mm-hmm. from our feet to another, another joint that is incredibly complex that is just getting assaulted today in our society, which is our knees. Oof. And the thing is, like, we're really, we come here with a genetic template. If you get, if you look at hunter-gatherer societies, this isn't a very common thing to see these, these tissues breaking down mm-hmm. outside of our, quote, you know, evolved modern-day cultures. Yeah. And so our knees are designed to take us all the way there, you know, to a century with grace. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, I've seen this over the years, you know, so many people that were coming into my clinic, we, we do stuff, for, you know, nutrition-wise some exercise and movement, but we are kind of limited. Yeah. We were limited in what we perceived we could do from a physical movement standpoint to help to re- rehabilitate our knees. Today, the game has changed so much. Absolutely. And I've seen this, you know, folks being able to kind of, you know, regenerate meniscus and accelerate the healing of tears, dramatically reducing their risk of injury for you know, sports that tend to see more of these injuries occur by mm-hmm. getting involved in some of this treatment and training. Yeah. So what are some of the things that we can do to strengthen our functionality with our knees and also just kind of, you know, bulletproof our knees mm-hmm. against injury? You know, um, it's, I was really, we were really fortunate to be able to talk to Ben Patrick, knees over toes guy, about maybe two years ago is when he first came onto the show. Now I had a, obviously I had Oshkut slaughter for like three years, um, but I also had a meniscectomy, a partial meniscus removal in my right knee when I was 23. And there was always a little level of weakness in that knee. There was also a little level of weakness in my other knee because of the Oshkut slaughter I had as a kid. Um, and I was, I was pretty sure that I was just destined to have issues with my knees until I was old. Like, I'm like, okay. This is something I'm just going to have to deal with. I'm going to have to modify everything to kind of work around my knees. And I kind of settled in that. When I started seeing some of the things that Ben was doing, you know, the first thing I just, I, I saw his Instagram, knees over toes guy. So I'm doing ATG split squats and all these things. I was just like, okay. Cause I mean, I was squatting, I was doing all these things, but there was a level that I wasn't taking my knees to because I was just like, I don't want to, I don't want to go that deep or I probably shouldn't do that much. But just the concept of moving your joints through a great range of motion. And the big thing to be careful with here is using an appropriate load. The one place where a lot of people mess them up, just in general, when it comes to exercise, is using loads and and, and weights that their body shouldn't be using yet, um, or that they're just not accustomed to, right? You need to go to the, to, and use a regression that you can start with. And for some people, that's using no weight. If somebody goes on Google right now and types in the ATG split squat, right? You, you'll see it. It's, it's, it's a deep knee, uh, deep knee bend where the back leg is in full hip extension. And if you type it in, you'll see Ben doing a lot of those movements. It may seem like a movement that's kind of scary to do, but if you do it with no weight, you can, you can start working that. You're going to get a lot of blood into that area because those tissues are being challenged. Maybe you might be sore for a few days. But then you'll be able to do it again. You'll be able to progress. And it's literally the concept is kind of that simple. Work the joint through as deep of a range of motion as you possibly can without pain. Recover and do it again. Also work the muscles that are the agonists. You were mentioning before the show, like you did a lot of quad work, but you didn't do that hamstring work. And, you know, 
hamstrings were pulled, right? Well, work the hamstrings because not just is there a front of the knee with your quad and all of that, there's also the back of the knee. You want to strengthen that area. Um, you also want to just strengthen all these other weak links that are in the leg. You know, that's why, you know, the tibialis that Ben always has people talking about, the calves, all these areas, you want to strengthen those areas outside of just doing squats. That's why the background of lifting that I come from like bodybuilding, right? Powerlifting. Um, there's a lot of focus on the weight that's being moved, right? So when people focus too much on the weight that's being moved, they don't think about the movement quality. And that, that's fair. You know, if you want to move the most weight possible, sometimes you're going to have to cheat it, right? But if you can work with a light enough load that'll allow you to get into the deepest range of motion you possibly can with this, the knee um, or even no load and progress that over time, you can build very strong, resilient knees, but you have to be okay with the gradual aspect of the process. When I say the gradual aspect, it's like, understand that this is going to take months of repetition, of continuing to do some of the same things, and slow increases in load. Some of the places where people really injure themselves is when they try to increase too fast, when they try to increase that load too fast, right? That's why when we talk about these things, we're just like, yo, baby yourself. You know what I mean? Give yourself, just just let it take the time it needs to strengthen, recover, and strengthen. Because if you can do that over a consistent period of time, what's going to happen is what happened to me. I started at the least amount of regression for a lot of these movements. I started doing split squats with no weight. Um, I gave myself the time I needed to recover. But now, a lot of times when people ask me, which knee did you have surgery on? I have to think about that for a mm, second. Yeah. I have to look at the scar on the right knee and be like, okay, yeah, it's the right one. Because a lot of times I can't tell the difference in between the way yeah. my knees feel. And I, again, since they removed part of that meniscus, I always thought I'd have an issue, yeah. but I don't, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It actually is. I don't know what it looks like on the inside of that, but the strength I have in there now, it, it's 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 baffling to me. It's crazy to me, but it's possible. Yeah, yeah, man. That's when you really know that you you're healed in a sense. Like, yeah, you don't think about it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what you want. That's what life is. Like, you know, uh, a cheetah isn't like you know. I don't know how my I don't know how my ankle's doing today. You know, mm -hmm. it's just doing what it does. Just doing cheetah. Shit, yeah, you know. But here we are. Just you know, we start to especially if we've had any problems, we tend to like obsess about them and our, because you know, we have this protective capacity too, you know, yes. our, our nervous system wants to keep us safe, but we get so in our heads. And also we do so much that just isn't, it isn't really viable with how we're designed. Mm -hmm. So like you've lifted some serious weight, like how much is your max squat? Uh, my max squat was 622. 622, all right, so too much. Actually 640. Okay. Uh, I did that. I did that. So 640 right. was my max. Too much plus. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's amazing. Crazy yeah. and amazing. And for you to do that, there's going to be so much static squatting that you've done over the years in this one position. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't really relate to real life. You know, we've got so many professional athletes, for example, they're doing these training protocols. Well, now, quote, functional uh, exercise has been implemented in so many different sports, which is wonderful. Yeah. And with the advent of the internet, this change has happened so much quicker. And what I found is that fitness changes so much faster than does health, right? So health care, so mm -hmm, medicine, mm -hmm. nutrition, those kind of things. Yeah. Fitness folks, because we got that, that gym bro uh, kind of mentality, like, I'm just going to do this shit. 
point. Like mm-hmm. this is just, I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. And to use my body as a training ground or an experiment ground to figure this stuff out. Mm-hmm. And so seeing this progression take place and understanding like if I'm living real life, it's very rare that I'm just gonna do a static squat in one position yeah. multiple times, right? So the concept of squatting with your knees, not pushing your hips back at this particular thing, keeping your knees back, this whole thing, that's one way of looking at it and developing our muscles in one static way. Mm-hmm. But so that immediately will push you away from this idea of like having my knees over my toes, yeah. let alone like moving to the side or my feet being in these, but that's life. Like you're going to be in awkward positions. Mm-hmm. If you're engaging with life and doing stuff, if you yeah. go for a hike on a, a complicated terrain, like mm-hmm. your, your feet and your body is doing so much mischievous stuff. Yeah that you can actually train a little bit more for if you're aware of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One thing, or the first thing I want to say before we talk about that is don't identify with your injury. And what I mean is this, for a very long time, because I had those knee issues since I was 13 years old, um, up until my 20s and that surgery in my knee, I was always just like, well, I'm just going to have knee issues. Like, I, I, knee issues became a part of me. So I identified with it. And even though I was looking for solutions, looking for solutions, I was always like, okay, well, I just can't do that. I can't do that. I can't do that because I'm a guy with knee issues. Don't allow that to be your mindset when it comes to dealing with injury. If you've had something for a very long time, because I understand how easy it is. If you have lower back pain, you're like, I just have back pain or I just have this pain. Because there's so many solutions and there's so many things that you can do and it'll take a while, but you can truly be out of pain. But if you start relating to that injury, you're going to live with it, right? So, so that's, that's one mindset switch. Instead of relating to the injury and identifying with your injury, be the person that, okay, is like, I have this right now, but I'm going to find a solution and in time I won't have this anymore because you don't have to have pain. You don't have to, okay? But if you identify with it, you're going to stay stuck in your ways. Now, as far as fitness is concerned and the way that we now, I, I, I love how fast fitness moves because like, okay, there are still people that are focusing on bodybuilding and people that are focusing on powerlifting. And that's cool. That's their sport. But you're right. For life, you're not going to have a barbell on your back and that's the way you're going to be squatting. Gonna be sometimes you need to pick up something from the ground. You need to do something with your kid, or you, you just need to get into a deeper range of motion. And if you haven't built the capacity to be able to do something with your knee going over your toes, on the off chance that in life somewhere your knee goes over your toes, mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't have that capacity, you're gonna be like, ah, you know what I mean? Something could happen. So you can actually use the gym as a way to train that capacity. That's why with Everything that I do in the gym and everything that we do in the gym, we train with the longest ranges of motion possible, right? And, and, and a range of motion that, again, it's not like you're feeling you're going to tear something or injure yourself. And you're also using appropriate load. Yeah. I cannot stop saying that. Use appropriate load. But you're strengthening yourself in disadvantageous positions so that when life happens and you get into these disadvantageous positions, your body is able to handle it. But not only that. You want to start doing things outside of that single up and down plane, you know, work with kettlebells and do things laterally, do things with rotation. 
I, I, I can't stress how important it is to start adding in some rotational type movements, whether it's med ball slams to the side or there are kettlebell swings that you can do across your body. Building that rotational ability is, again, something that's going to be necessary for life. That's why you'll notice like a lot of lifters move in one way and they're very stiff because they haven't built the ability to rotate with power. Um, and these are very simple things that you can add into your training routine that, again, are free. But if you can build those movement capacities, you're just going to move like a more optimal human being. You won't be as stiff. And also, like I mentioned, increasing the range of, movement, uh, range of motion of the movements you do in the gym. If you do that, you'll also move better. I mean, bodybuilders have the, uh, they have the reputation of moving around like robots, right? You just increase that range of motion and really allow your body to stretch within those ranges. You're going to move better. You're going to feel better. And you'll probably won't be in as much pain. Yeah. The reason I wanted to have you here was that you are the example. Like today, to be able to see a human who's built their body as far as the musculature, but mm -hmm. your ability to move at the same time and have the amount of muscle mass that you have. Yeah is remarkable Thank and it's you. just like it's possible you know to yeah. to see somebody like yourself but also to understand like it's very intentional you know and part of that is the exposures that you've had and like picking up stuff man i love people who are about that life speed of implementation is one of my favorite qualities in a human being yeah and you said this thing multiple times i want to lean into this a little bit more for everybody which is you have to you have to be qualified for certain lifts, like qualify yourself to do certain things. You know, we don't come out of the gate, like you said, like it's a progression, you know, a little bit here and there. And you said Kelly Starrett's name earlier. Oh yeah. He said something to me that cha it changed my life. It's something so simple. Um, you know, I was doing something, trying to heal from an injury and like a nerve, a nerve compressed. I was really struggling and you know, I was doing some things to get better, but then it's just like, I would feel like I back, back, would backslide sometimes. And he said this to me, he said, it's not a straight line. Your, your healing is imminent, but it's not a straight line. Mm -hmm. There's gonna be some curves and some bends throughout the process. You even mentioned this with the shoes, you know, like do the barefoot, but then like, let's take a step back too when you need. It's not a straight line. You don't have to just go this way. And also it's gonna be dependent on you. And so, don't beat yourself up if you feel like you made a mistake or you did something wrong or maybe you feel like you had a setback. It's not a straight line. But your healing, your success is imminent. As you said, like stop identifying with the thing and get focused on the person that you are going to be and start to be that person. Mm -hmm. and that person isn't carrying around that fear about said thing constantly. Yeah. You know? Uh, <laughs> Right there, what Kelly said to you is applies to everything, literally everything. Weight loss is not linear. One of the reasons why when people are going on a transformation and the scale doesn't say what it, they wanted to say for a few days, they quit, they binge because they expect this just downward progress where they're going to be periods where you go down. They're going to be periods where you're in a straight line. They're going to be periods when you go back up a little bit. But if you can keep the habits, you, you, you just mentioned this. Uh, the person that, who, wh what I think about is what does the person that, for example, doesn't have knee pain, what are the things that they're doing? What are the habits they have? Or the person that's in really good shape, 
What are the habits they have, right? And if you can be an individual that just starts implementing and building those habits over time, you'll, you'll get there. You, you'll, you'll absolutely get there. But if you think that it's just going to be this just straightforward progress and, and it's just going to happen like clockwork all the time, that's not how it's going to happen. Um, for me, when it came to flexibility, um, I really had to work on that, you know. And I had to do a lot of things that people within powerlifting or bodybuilding would think is adverse to that. I started really purposefully stretching years ago, like sitting down, doing different types of mobilizations, but also stretching. And I started making a lot of videos, putting just putting forward stretching routines. There's still 30 routines on my channel. It's called Smooth Panther. Anybody can go in and just do a routine. But after I started doing that, I started seeing a lot of people saying, well, you know, if, if you want to be as strong as you possibly can and move as much weight on the bar, you probably shouldn't train your flexibility. And also, like, that's going to decrease your power output. Um, and also, there's really no, you know, stretching as far as the research shows. It's just something that uh, um, it, it's more so uh, it's, it's a placebo effect. You don't actually lengthen your muscles. It's, it doesn't make that big of a difference. And it hampers your performance. But I kept doing it because <laughs> I was just like, I'm feeling a lot better by stretching, even though it's adverse to strength, potentially, whatever. But I felt good doing it. And my body was reaping the benefits. I was moving better. One thing I noticed is I wasn't having to warm up for 45 minutes before I actually did a workout because my body wasn't feeling stiff anymore. But still, people were like, huh, stretching this, this stretching thing, it's not good for you as a strength athlete. And there are a lot of things that I've done in fitness that are adverse to what people in the strength realm would think is ideal, like fasting. Apparently, if you fast, you're going to deplete all your muscle and you're going to get really small. Go catabolic. Go catabolic. And I've been doing fasting for four years now. Just fine. <laughs> all I had to do was make sure I was eating enough protein and, and eating enough food during the day. That was good. But again, within the strength community, that and the muscle building community, that's like, oh, no, that, that's not something you do if you want to gain muscle. So it's just over, over at the Power Project, Mark and I always talk about this, and it's something that I, uh, I have a rough relationship with science because I love it. And research is so beneficial, man. I love, I, I, I love it. But there was a point that I focused too much on what research said personally, and it would stop me from trying things. Like for the longest time, like what fasting, when people were talking about fasting, I was like, oh, I'm going to lose muscle. This is going to happen. Low carb diets or whatever. Because the research, research said certain things, I was like, okay, I, I can't really do that. So it, it took me out of just trying to apply something and seeing how it worked because the research didn't say it'd be ideal. But I got out of it after a while and I was just like, okay, know what the research says and then just do some shit. Yeah, <laughs> just just yeah. do, do it. And if it doesn't work, okay, cool. But if it works for you, then you're an anecdote, but at least it works for you and you're making some progress. Yeah. So that's kind of how I approach a lot of things. I have this, we, we say we have a white belt mentality. Like there's a lot of stuff we don't know. And because of that, we have to apply 
a lot of things and see what sticks and get rid of what doesn't. Yeah, that's the only way you can truly know something is experientially. And we limit our ability to experiment when we have bought in fully to an idea of how stuff is supposed to be. You know, this is why, again, I admire the the gym culture, the fitness culture, and I'm a part of that as well Mm -hmm. because of the speed of implementation and just trying things, experimenting, being very creative, even in the gym, like, I know you've experienced this, like, let me try, let me do this this way. You know, like you'll just see some slight change, some slight movement. Yeah. And also you'll find that the people who are the greats in these respective things, they're often doing stuff that would be completely wrong to that that instructor who's teaching up and coming personal trainers. Like Mm -hmm. you're supposed to do it this, and the the other person is literally doing the opposite thing. They're doing that thing too, you know, the tried and true, but they're also doing it, you know, with their back, bent in a certain way or whatever the case might be. Got a quick break coming up, we'll be right back. No lifts, no gifts. Here are just a few benefits of building muscle seen in peer-reviewed studies. Building some muscle mass can significantly improve your insulin sensitivity, improve your overall hormone health, improve your cognitive performance, improve your immune system, protect you against injuries and speed recovery, and defend your body against age-related degradation. This is just a small slice of what a little bit more muscle can do. Now the barrier of entry to building more healthy muscle and reaching a state of physical fitness is easier than ever. Having a few key pieces of equipment at your house can absolutely change the game for you. Kettlebells, steel clubs, maces, battle ropes, All of these phenomenal multifaceted pieces of equipment are readily available to ship directly to your door. Go to onit.com forward slash model and you're going to receive 10% off some of the most premier training equipment in the world. Simple pieces of equipment that you can do dozens if not hundreds of different exercises with. Plus they've got incredible programs as well to teach you different techniques for unconventional training to truly create more functionality in your health and fitness. On top of all that, Onnit is also one of the world leaders in human performance nutrition. They've got the most remarkable pre-workout supplements and post-workout protein that you're going to find. All sourced from earth-grown ingredients, nothing synthetic, and they also have put their own products into real-world clinical trials to affirm their efficacy. Again, go to onit.com forward slash model. That's O-N-N-I-T.com forward slash model for 10% off everything they carry. Now back to the show. One of those other things too, which for me is just a logical thing. If you're thinking about the repetitive nature of certain movements Mm -hmm. and the impact that it can have, like for our knees, for example, and then simply let's literally reverse it. Let's go backwards. Right. And so that's one of the things yeah. that we were doing at the gym together is, you know, putting on a harness and just pulling some heavy weight backwards. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit. I'm so happy you mentioned that because I almost forgot that. Um, the backwards sled is, even if you just, you, you, if you don't have a sled, do something where you can just start walking backwards because this is something we got from Ben. It's not an original for me, but as I started doing more backwards sled, it just drove blood into that knee and it felt really good, but it also was a great preparation for working out and it was really, really good for the knees. So 
yeah, you can do like a lot of the things that we do are on one single plane, walking forwards, sprinting forwards, squatting, etc. But how can we maybe reverse some of these? Because that's, again, it's another part of your overall human capacity. If you just stop doing that altogether, there are going to be things that you're missing. There are going to be weak links in the chain. So doing something as simple as backwards sled, you'll notice that you will tire out very, very quickly. Your quads are going to go. Your knees are going to feel like jelly. You felt it when we were doing it that day. But you do that consistently with a sled or whatever type of thing you have at your gym. Just walk backwards before you work out um, and you can build up load over time. You're going to find that your knees are going to start to feel pretty damn resilient to that. And you can you'll adapt pretty quickly because it's a stimulus. Like we mentioned, working out from never working out before, you'll gain muscle pretty fast. Doing the barefoot stuff when you haven't done it before, you're going to see some results. You're going to see some changes. The same thing when adding in the backwards sled. You're going to see some changes in the way your knees feel and your quads feel and your feet feel because of it. Um, and, and that's something that I think if you have a routine that you've been enjoying for years or just a way of working out that you've really been enjoying for years, that's good because you're in here and you already have the habit of exercise and it's going to be great for your fitness. But find weaknesses. Look for things that you're not good at because a somewhat of an issue, and it, I wouldn't say it's one of the biggest issues because if you're working out, okay, you're winning. All right, you're winning. But when you get really comfortable and you're like, okay, I squat, I do these movements and I'm out and you've been good at that for a long time, there are places where you're weak. So my big suggestion would be to search for those places. For a lot of people, the feet are going to be really weak. Yep. For a lot of people, deep ranges of motion with the knees or these joints are going to be pretty weak. For a lot of people, rotational movement is going to be weak. Get good at those things. And the crazy and the cool thing is that you're going to see, it's going to also bring back a bit of motivation to, for you in terms of exercise because now you're not good at something. Now you're, you're starting from square one. I personally find that really, really exciting. I find it exciting when I find something that I'm bad at because I'm like, what happens if I get good at this? What happens if my feet get stronger? How am I going to feel in a year or two years or three years? When I started jujitsu, what happens when I actually get good at this? Because I suck right now and women are kicking my ass. <laughs> what happens when I, when I do this for a few years? That would be the big thing I, I want people to focus on. Find weak links. Search for weak, weak links in the, in the chain and make those your strengths. Because you're going to become a stronger person, just an overall, just like stronger human because of it. Yeah. And just even that physical challenge, doing things in a different way, your, your nervous system, like this is why somebody that can be incredibly fit and you do a different type of workout yeah. and it's, you're sweating like you usually don't sweat. It's more exhausting. Mm -hmm. It's just more of a challenge. It's because your brain is being forced to change and adapt everything that's happening cellularly. Yeah. And- you know, I love this advice. And I just, I was just, I was just thinking about, again, you don't need anything to do this to take advantage of some of that nutritious movement of moving backwards. No. Even if you're at, um, you know, uh, a, a track by your school, right? Um, and you do, you're doing 400, right? Mm -hmm. If you're just walking three and then maybe you walk backwards on the straight, right? Or same thing, you could jog three and then jog backwards on the straight, whatever it is. You can do some different implements just with your body. Yes. And then if you've got a sled or something that you could pull, great. There's the harness that we use that day, but also you can hook up some straps to it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the TRX is 
they're pretty affordable. You can my guy Mike Mutzel, he just he got a TRX and he hooked it up to his car, yeah, you know, to his truck, and he just was pulling that, uh huh, going backwards. You know, it's just like, and then the thing is, you might see them like that's a hell of a level of strength. Yeah, it is, but also it depends on the vehicle and you know yeah. putting it in neutral that whole thing it looks impressive as hell though it does it does it's very very cool ig grab yeah you know what i'm saying but just be creative this is what i'm saying again about being creative with your with your environment and with your body what helps with that creativity walking mm -hmm. right going for a walk moving your body and being in the environment when i worked at the this university gym for so many years like just being there engaging in movement like i just start to see stuff it's kind of like a matrix type thing just like you know i'm seeing the code you know i could do this thing and that thing yes you know so open your mind to that and also i love that i think that the the invitation into that is that we look for weaknesses right and here's here's the rub for me personally is just like don't do that psychologically that'll just happen do it physically you know, physically look for those points of weakness because you don't want to be weak physically, mm -mm. right? But psychologically, yeah, focus on your strengths. Do, do your thing. But also yeah. you got to continue to challenge yourself. And part of that too is like even our conversation when I came on to the show with you guys was challenging our thinking and putting ourselves in someone else's shoes, mm -hmm. right? Being able to perspective take, especially if somebody has a differing opinion, yes. right? And we tend to get put into that box. Same thing with research, you know? Mm -hmm. This is what I do every oh, yeah. day. I mean, yeah. I've read thousands of studies just in this past year. Um, but within that, I still know that even the outcomes of some studies are not gonna apply across the board, mm. right? And so, for example, we got friends who are full on doing a vegan protocol. We got friends who are full on doing a carnivore protocol. Mm -hmm. And both ends of the spectrum have seen remarkable benefits with their patients. And we cannot negate that. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that this is right for you. And it doesn't mean that it's not right right now. And that might change, right? So opening up that perspective, because for, you know, my friend over here in the carnivore camp, you know, he's eating testicles and it's just like, it's, it's the best Aww. thing ever for him, you know? <laughs> Other people are like, I can't even get my kids to eat broccoli. Like, how the hell am I expecting to eat, you know, eat some nuts? You yeah. know what I mean? Not those nuts, but some other nuts. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And so being able to, to have some perspective and understand like, yes, something in an end of one can mean the world, mm -hmm. you know, and that matters. So that anecdotal, you said the word earlier, anecdotal, that gets negated so much. Yeah. And we also, then we can dip into the, the, you know, the intentions behind certain studies, who's funding the studies and the on and on and on and on. Your number one guiding force in this life is listening to your body actually tuning in and listening to your own body. Yes. It's constantly giving you feedback, mm -hmm. you know? And so I wanna ask you about this because you shared that there was this lesson that you got from your mom about being careful with your words. Oh. Let's talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I was really, again, I said, I was really fortunate, my mom, and, and there's the things that she taught me growing up um, because if she'd ever hear me like say something negative or something just that wasn't something that would help me grow, like I can't do this or um, that's not possible for me or uh, that's too difficult for me to feel. Like if she ever heard me say those things, she'd catch me so quick that it literally turned into, I don't say things like that. Like I, I number one, like I don't really complain about things because it's like, 
why are you going to complain when you can try to find a solution? <laughs> like, I get the feeling, don't get me wrong, especially when things just aren't going your way. I get the feeling of wanting to complain about it. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, what does that bring you? You know, it could bring some level of relief, but it hasn't brought a solution. But also, when you say things about yourself that are limitations, you tend to believe those limitations. And I'm someone who really believes in the power of your belief. So if you tell me that you can't do something, if you truly tell me you can't do something, number one, I don't believe it's actually true, but I know it's going to be true if you say it. Yeah. I know it's going to be true if you believe it, because if you believe it, you, you, you can't, right? She, she, I don't know if she's going to watch this or listen to this, but I have this tattoo on my hand that she hasn't noticed for the past year and a half. I've been in front of her. And I've been, I've waved my hand in front of her all the time, but she just hasn't noticed it. So if she watches this, sorry, mom, it's, it's, it's the word limit with a line through it. And it's because my mom would always say the sky's not the limit, right? She'd always hear people say the sky's the limit. And she's like, why? That just makes sense. The sky's not the limit. And then she drilled that into me. So I have limit with a line through it because I truly believe that like as human beings, if you really want to do something, and if you truly do set your mind and your intention to be able to do something, you're going to find a way to do it. Whether it's transforming your body, changing your life, whatever it is, there is a way that you can achieve that. But if you... I like to call them kind of, I like to call them mind viruses. And I, it wasn't coined by me. There's this guy, God Sad, who, who coined the term mind viruses. But the way I see mind viruses is people put these things into the ether. They say, oh, this is impossible for humans to do, or you can't do this. It wouldn't fitness. Uh, there's flexibility or, or stretching with, with training is going to, you know, you're going to decrease your power output or fasting is going to make you lose muscle if you do it for too long. All these things that people think are just the way things are because so many people have said it. As much as I appreciate some of the knowledge and I appreciate that, don't get me wrong about studies. I like studies. I truly do. But I do take them with a grain of salt if I haven't personally done it, you know. When I hear those things, I'm like, cool, it's cool for you. I'm going to give it a shot and see what happens. But I'm not just going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a shot and really put time behind it. Because one thing is people say, oh, I gave this diet a shot. Did you? Like, you spent two weeks trying that. Like, I mean, sometimes diet protocols aren't, aren't the best. But like, if you truly gave that a shot, you would have given yourself more time. You know what I mean? So... When I do things, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it an honest shot. I'm going to really go at it. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But if it does, boom, I found a solution for myself. And it's a solution that a lot of people said wasn't possible. Mm. And I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Man, I know when I mentioned like something your mom said, you were like, what the, where is this going? <laughs> <laughs> but man, that's a powerful, like that's it's such a, a gift to have someone like that in your life. Yeah. You know, yeah. to to point you in that direction. And, you know, she's probably intentionally ignoring the fact that her son got this tattoo. She's probably like, you don't put don't put bumper <laughs> stickers on a Ferrari, you know? And um, but to, you know, this is something that I would think about as well. You know, we we say these terms, even things that seem to be empowering, you know, the sky's the limit. No. It's, it's, we're limitless, mm -hmm. you know, the limits are only what exists in our minds. Yeah. And also, you know, something else that you've pointed us to throughout this, you know, it's just 
understanding truly how little we know. And, um, you know, as a society, part of the part of the reason we're in the situation that we're in right now is that we're acting as that we're acting as if we know we've got stuff figured out for everybody mm -hmm. and we're treating everybody and life itself in this kind of like cookie cutter fashion. Yeah. You know, and one size fits all for everyone. And it's just a huge mistake. But never before has it been brought to the surface like this so we can look at it and just be like, no, nah, it's not true. How could it be true for you? And biochemically, like my makeup is totally different. I have a unique metabolic fingerprint, a unique micro microbial fingerprint that's affecting my genetic expression. Totally mm -hmm. different from yours. Mm -hmm. You know, we have similar, similar physics that guide some things, but even within physics, there's this thing that also is getting kicked around still is that stuff just happens. You know, it just happens. That's, that's ignoring physics. Like, Everything has a cause and effect, yeah. right? There's a, there's a causative agent behind everything. Do we have the courage to look into that is the question. Do we have the courage to experiment? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that really stands out about you is you're a courageous human being. Thank you. you know? And when we, ha when we start to develop that trait, it tends to bleed over into other areas of our lives. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that's pretty accurate? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's why I feel extremely blessed that um, the podcast is what I do, because I'm so interested in talking to people that are really good at whatever it is that they're doing. But the biggest thing that I really want to learn from them is like, what makes you you? What are the things that you do each day? What are your habits? Like, what are these little things that nobody sees you doing? Because those habits are the thing that has allowed them to do what they do, get to the level of performance that they've gotten to, attain the level of knowledge in that specific thing. Like that's, that's it. And there was a point in my early twenties when like, you know, body transformations were a really easy thing for me to do. Like I had like, uh, just specific macros, you can get them doing a certain thing. Boom. It's easy. I thought like, okay, I have this figured out and I stagnated hardcore, not just for my performance, but people I was working with, like, they were getting their results, but it's like, I, I, I thought it was figured out. And it wasn't until like, I started literally just trying to get out of my bubble of IFYM and, and bodybuilding and, and learning more about all of these different things, seeing where my, my weak spots were. It wasn't until that, that I was like, number one, as I started to learn more, I realized I don't know anything. Like I know something, but there is so many things that I really bad at or I have a really big knowledge gap at and I appreciated that I like it when we're talking to people and I have no idea how they learned what they learned or I have no idea where they got there because I'm like okay I need to figure that out that's really cool because if I can figure that out then we can share that with more people so the curiosity thing is like it's it's an it's what makes the work so rewarding because we're filling all these personal gaps within ourselves that's why it also goes back to the no weak links thing. Find out things you're weak with in the gym. Find out things you're weak with in life that you're maybe interested in and go hard at that. Mark likes to say uh, he has this term, lean into the resistance of life, right? And I truly believe that. Lean into the resistance. There's something you're not good at, lean into that. Chances are that on the other side of that door, the other side of that experience is going to be a really good level of growth that you're going to be very, very, very happy that you took part in. Mm, man. It's been awesome, man. Um, you mentioned the show a couple of times. Can you let everybody know the name of the show again? Yeah. And, you know, again, just, 
you've blown my mind, man, several times in this conversation. Thank you. Because the big thing for me is your curiosity, your courage, but also, man, just to see a human being who's implemented so much of their life force into certain things and then being able to pivot and to bring that with them, you know, it's just so damn cool. You know, like you mentioned, you're not just doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu, like you compete, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, didn't you, like you did a tournament. Well, first of all, I, I'm not gonna let you go without, okay. without this. Yeah. I saw somewhere you were Mr. California. Yeah, yeah, so. Mr. Um, California. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I competed in natural bodybuilding from 2012 to 2015. I got my pro card in three different natural federations. Um, and I went to Worlds in 2015. I got fifth place in the world for the heavyweights. So that was my last year of bodybuilding competition. But yeah, there was a show I won in, in Sacramento, which was WNBF. I, I forgot which show it was. But yeah, I was Mr. Count 40 for that show, which was cool. Um, but then after bodybuilding, I pivoted to powerlifting and that was cool too. I got an elite total, which was, which was nice. Um, but like I mentioned, I just wasn't moving the way I wanted to move. So then I started jujitsu and that was, that was, it's going to be seven years in December that I've been doing jujitsu and, and I love that. I still do all the lifting, but I've been competing in that for the past seven years. So it's, uh, it's been pretty good. I got, mm, I got second at Pan Ams and second at Worlds as a blue belt. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm a purple belt now. I'm probably going to get my brown belt pretty soon. But my goal with jiu-jitsu is to try to compete at the top level as a black belt. So we got a ways to go. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I, I, I have some confidence that it's going to happen. Dope, so it's, it's, it's exciting. Awesome, awesome. So the show is? Mark Bell's Power Project. It's on it's everywhere, YouTube, all podcast stuff. And people um, can follow you. In Sima Inyang on Instagram and YouTube, N S I M A I N Y A N G, and in Sima Yin Yang on TikTok and Twitter. Boom! You're doing some dope stuff. TikTok, your TikTok is just blown up. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. It's yeah. it's fun. It's it's a different platform, but it's pretty fun for sure, man. Well, again, thanks so much for dropping down here to hang out with us, man. It means yeah. a lot, yeah. and uh, just thank you for being the example that you're being. Thank appreciate you. you, man. I appreciate you inviting me out. This is awesome. Awesome. My pleasure. Let's go. Encima, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. I hope you got a lot of value out of this. Again, this is all about becoming a stronger human being, becoming the best version of ourselves, taking steps in that direction. And learning from experts like Encima, of course, is remarkable, but it's really about implementation and taking what we learn and applying it to our lives. The ultimate laboratory for our potential and for human expression for ourselves is going to be personal experimentation, applying things in our own life to see what it does. And so also, again, we want to make sure that we're not just being a model for health right now, but being a model for health into the future and creating a resilient body, a body that is functional for not just now, but for a lifetime. And that starts with paying attention to some of the small things, you know, the health of our feet. For example, as we talked about, you know, that kinetic chain, it's, you know, it's from the ground up, literally. And so much of our lives are dependent upon what's happening down below, as above, so below. And so understanding that we have the ability to put some time and attention into these things, right now, it's of the utmost importance. And it's so simple, you know, taking five minutes a day 
just to work on our feet or to work on, you know, doing some backwards movement, you know, for our knee health or whatever the case might be. Just paying a little bit more attention to our physical weak spots and working to build those things up. But most importantly, of course, it's it's paying attention to the big movers. What are the big movers? Making sure that we're getting in plenty of nutritious movement in the form of walking, right? Again, this is a part of being human. Our bodies expect us to walk. We are designed to walk. So making sure that we are getting that implement. And outside of that, the next one would be moving some heavy things. You know, we are designed to carry things. And so whether that's a baby or whether that's some heavy weight, you know, being able to pick stuff up, move it from one place to another, that's what it's all about. So, you know, implementing some carries, implementing some opportunity to, you know, pick up things and pull them or to push them. These are going to be some implements for us to engage in. And in addition to that, working on our mobility. This is something that we can do during a commercial break, if anybody even watches commercials anymore, but just if you're watching television or listening to a podcast or you know, just taking out, carving out a little bit of time to work on your, your mobility, it's one of the surprising things that Encima does that is frowned upon in the bodybuilding community or powerlifting community is even just taking some time and doing some static stretches, for example. I remember that that was all that we knew. You know, when I was competing as an athlete, static stretches was pretty much the only thing we were doing. Then it evolved from there into static stretching bad. Then you want to do these more mobility movements where we're, you know, going through these fluid different motions. Well, what about all of them having a place? You know, so whatever it might be, finding some opportunity to work on your mobility, your flexibility. Those are three primary foundational tenets. I appreciate you so much for tuning into the show today. Please share this out with your friends and family. Tag me and tag Encima and let everybody know what you thought about this episode. Just take a screenshot and tag us on Instagram. And also, again, we can send this directly from the podcast app that you're listening on. It makes it so easy today. You can send it straight from the Apple Podcast, from Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening. You can send it to somebody that you love. I appreciate you so much for tuning in. We've got some epic shows coming your way very soon, so make sure to stay tuned. Take care, have an amazing day, and I'll talk with you soon. And for more after the show, make sure to head over to themodelhealthshow.com. That's where you can find all of the show notes. You can find transcriptions, videos for each episode. And if you got a comment, you can leave me a comment there as well. And please make sure to head over to iTunes and leave us a rating to let everybody know that the show is awesome. And I appreciate that so much. And take care. I promise to keep giving you more powerful, empowering, great content to help you transform your life. Thanks for tuning in.